Hey everyone, welcome to episode 126 of the Slice of Healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Jared Taylor. On this episode, we have Dr. Christopher Chen, the CEO at ChenMed. Let's not waste any time, let's bring him on. Thanks so much for joining me on the Slice of Healthcare podcast. How are you today? Doing well, Jared. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, I'm excited for us to chat. Uh, it's, it's. Uh, I've, I've done some research on the company. I'm a fan of what you've been building, and I'm excited to finally have the opportunity to kind of hear more about your background, the basically why, how, what of the company, and really what you're most excited for. So let's dive right into it. I'd love to hear about your background. So you know, I, I'm a, I'm a doctor by training. I'm actually a a, a cardiologist. And, you know, when I uh, came home to join my father, uh, who had a very unique medical practice at the time, you know, I discovered that there were major, two major issues within healthcare. The first one was primarily a, a challenge of, you know, our outcomes and what we were delivering as a healthcare organi- uh, profession. And the second one is this massive disparity that exists between, um, you know, people of different socioeconomic incomes. And so, ChemMed was formed to tackle the woes of those two pieces. So we have a major drive towards healthcare transformation and a major drive towards social justice. I could give you a little bit more color there. Um, So let's talk about how we do things a little bit differently. So we discovered um, that there are these neighborhoods in in every US city today, these, these zip codes, in which if you look at their average life expectancy, that number tends to be around 20 and sometimes as high as 30 years below zip codes of higher incomes. So that, that is a fundamental problem, right? Um, so the, 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 um, if you're in New Orleans, there's a zip code there where you know, the average life expectancy is in the late 50s, about 57 years old, um, just three miles away, same city, a zip code where the average life expectancy is 83 years old. So we thought about doing something about that. That's the first thing. The second thing is, well, we need to do something about the fact that we think there's something called perverse incentives. I'll give you an example. As a heart specialist, I went to, uh, you know, Boston to do my medical training at, you know, one of those uh, Harvard hospitals. And then, of course, went to do my cardiac training at uh, Cornell on the Upper East Side. That's where, you know, a lot of the, you know, hedge fund people and, you know, different stars, they all go to New York Hospital, famous heart surgeon and, 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 and heart center. And I left um, there with the equivalent of about, about five board certifications. So really well-trained in cardiology. If you were to ask any cardiologist um, in the US, you said, how much of, health, of, of your patient's health or how much is heart disease or heart health is due to um, lifestyles and behaviors? What most cardiologists would tell you is, oh, of course, somewhere between 80 and 90% of heart disease and heart health is due to, um, you know, lifestyles and behaviors, eating well, keeping a low stress level, not smoking, exercising, right? This is nothing new. Then you just say, well, Chris, with all of your, you know, sort of (laughs) prestigious training and schooling, how much training did you get on lifestyles and behaviors? And the answer is zero. Not even a 20-minute class. And what was the equivalent of close to 15 years of schooling for the normal 
you know, person to be a cardiologist. Out of curiosity, so, why, why do you think that is? I, real quickly before we dive into this. Well, that's the piece that we wanted to transform. So we had to transform two things. We had to transform the fact that, you know, a lot of these neighborhoods have these massive disparities. That's number one. And number two, we had to figure out how to transform the way healthcare is delivered. And we thought one of the key ways that you can do that is by fundamentally changing the healthcare system of being one that treats sickness to one that figures out how to prevent sickness. So here's what Chad Med did. We had a hypothesis. We said, what if we took a really well-trained doctor and we said, doctor, you're now gonna be the quarterback of delivering health, not of just fixing heart attacks and strokes and cancer. No, we want you to target health in a group of patients. And so what the first thing we did was we said, hey, doc, you can't see 3,000 patients. In our neighborhoods, the typical primary care doctor is taking care of 3,000 patients. We said, doctor, you should see about 400 patients because the patients that you're gonna be taking care of are the oldest, some of the poorest, and some of the sickest people. And, and you need to get on top of all of their healthcare challenges. You need to get in top, on top of their medicines, of course, and on top of their procedures and specialists. But even more importantly, you need to, you need to take a more holistic approach towards prevention by improving their lifestyles and behaviors and what I call, you know, um, social barriers to care. You have to figure out ways to overcome social barriers to care. So what's a social barrier to care? If you don't have a ride to the doctor, that's a social barrier to care. If your grandson is stealing your social security check and you don't have any money, that's a, that, that creates a barrier to care, right? If you're, if you're food insecure, if you're worried about your own physical safety, if, you're, if your heat's gonna get shut off and you're in West Philadelphia uh, in the winter, that is gonna impact your health. So we said, take a doctor, give them amazing tech and an amazing team, two things. And you should be able to take, make a huge difference in that population that you've been assigned. And so we, that's what we started in South Florida. We started that model in South Florida and it was very successful. And so then we questioned, could we spread this to the rest of the country? The good news is right now, we have a model where doctors give away their cell phone numbers they are seeing patients, you know, or at least touching them either virtually or in person anywhere from any two to four times, or excuse me, every two to four weeks, excuse me. During COVID, obviously we've had to find virtual ways to do that. And the results that we get is, here they go. They, we reduce pretty predictably across all of our markets, hospitalizations by 30 to 50%, wherever to prevent them, right? What else are we able to do? Then our net promoter scores, we're, of course, they're through the roof. Why? You, you, you take a, you know, the old, the poor, and the sick, who are usually, they don't, they, they don't even have doctors that take care of them. They have to go to the emergency room when they're in trouble. And then you have them partnered with you know, a primary care physician that gives them concierge medicine on steroids and door-to-doctor -door transportation and before COVID classes, you know, to teach them Tai Chi so they don't fall and break their hip. Um, during COVID, go to their house to make sure they have paper, you know, uh, toilet paper. Uh, we do love calls once a week just to make sure they're, because they're scared to death of COVID and during the COVID time. So we're able to do that. And so they get, they get concierge medicine on steroids. So patients love it. You know, the, the, the payers, the insurance companies, they love it. They love it because why? We are able to bring down the cost of care. Why? Because if you can reduce hospitalization rates by 30 to 50%, you're gonna make a huge impact on the cost of care. So we, we found that this is a model in which everyone wins. 
And so therefore we're on this journey right now to try to spread this concept um, throughout the country. Well, thank you for, for all that you're doing too. And it, it's great to hear those, those stats that you're able to, uh, no one wants to go to a hospital if they don't have to, right? And if you're able to limit the times that they're actually going, uh, it's no wonder why the, the payers love you, but it's also no wonder why the, the patients uh, love what you're doing as well. So thank you for all that you do. Uh, in, in this model, who, who typically like, who pays, I guess? Yeah. So we are exclusive geriatric uh, practice, right? We, we discovered, you know, there's a, there's a tremendous amount of need, but we said you, you can't be everything to everyone. So we decided that in order to truly scale, we had to focus. And so who do we focus on? Predominantly people 55 and older. And then what we had to do is we said, well, we need a payment model that allows us to invest in patients and then bring down their costs later on, right? So, uh, you know, during COVID, everybody was really rushing. They were saying, hey, we need to get telehealth paid for. We need to get telehealth paid for. Um, we didn't wait. We actually internally made a decision and one week later, we turned everybody virtual in one week because we didn't have to wait for our payment structure change. We were fully capitated. Now, what does it mean to be fully capitated? So we only work today with Medicare Advantage plans. Um, in the future, clearly there's, you know, we're gonna be working with, you know, the, um, the, the novel payment models that are coming out through Medicare um, in which we, are, we were an important part of actually helping to come to fruition. And so, um, but this concept of taking a lump sum payment where you could you know, invest in the patient upfront to see them more frequently, to give them more primary care, not less primary care, to give them more access, not less, to actually start to worry about toilet paper and other needs that they could need uh, during you know, either a pandemic prior or, you know, or before. They all have unique needs. And we have to be empowered and have the financial backing to be able to solve those challenges to thereby reduce the hospitalization rates by 30 or 50%. So we only work in a capitated environment. We do not do any fee-for-service work. So we're extremely focused. And so our payer today, today are uh, Medicare Advantage plans, the largest ones. Uh, you know, you, you you know, you can go in order. You have the, um, you know, United, Humana, Aetna, um, uh, which used to be WellCare, now is Centene, you know, HealthSpring, um, and a, and, a, and a whole series of uh, you know Blues as well um, that we work with. Uh, I think the total number of payers that we work, unique payers we work with across all of our 24 cities is, um, I think it's about 22. Um, so they're excited about it, because think about it. It, it, it. We actually take what usually is bad business for a payer, right? It's that five to 15% of the population that drives the majority of the costs. We take that risk away from the, uh, from the payer. And we said, hey, let us deal with that. And we'll figure out a way to make it work and deliver superior outcomes and uh, find a way to, to substantially improve the, uh, the access and the perception of the care. That's interesting. Wow, that's, that's, a, that's a great model. Um, yeah, I mean, when you look at the majority of, of their, I don't, wanna say, I don't wanna say headaches because people getting you know, sick or at that age, it's just, you're more likely, right? To, to go to a hospital or to, to spend more on healthcare after you're 55 and older, right? Um, but it's, it's nice, uh, especially for them and for the patients, it's nice knowing that you're, you're helping in an area that's really driving uh, 
a lot of a lot of their expenses. Um, so so thank you for for everything that you're doing. I'd love to quickly focus in on some of the things you're really excited about in terms of ChenMed for for uh, as we go into the rest of this year. What's like on the horizon that you you can discuss? Yeah, sure. So first of all, you know the our, our, the market is huge for what we're trying to do, right? And so Medicare Advantage today, uh, you know, roughly about a third of Medicare recipients have Medicare Advantage, and, and it's continuing to climb. And so Medicare Advantage is, an op- is, is the sort of the marketplace today that we're able to, you know, create these amazing outcomes for people who really need it. Uh, again, transform the way that care is delivered um, and also, uh, you know, achieve social justice. I mean, we actually equalize in many of our markets you know, equalize the the outcomes between the richest people and the lowest income people, which are our patients. So we're really excited about that. So the question is, you know, what is the what does the future of Chenmen look like, and and what does that market look like? And 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 I can only think it's it's all positive, right? If you can systematically reduce hospitalization rates, if you can systematically improve net promoter scores, if you can systematically reduce the cost of care, and you can systematically equalize racial disparities and 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 socioeconomic disparities, that that is a great, there's, there's almost, there's tremendous demand for that. And, and that, and that demand is actually growing. Why? Medicare Advantage recipients, number of people having Medicare Advantage going up. Number two, we're, we're hearing about all these novel payment models um, that are coming out through Medicare, through, uh, you know, CMMI to help to, you know, so, so that we, we can help people who aren't in Medicare Advantage. And that's going to be a huge opportunity for us. So our major focus today is how do we get out to as many of these neighborhoods as quickly as possible? I, we have, I, you know, I, when I present to my board, um, you know, we tell them about our growth rate, which is, you know, um, which is very good. We tell them about the fact that each of these markets and centers there, they break even pretty quickly, so the model is sustainable. Okay, we talk about how it's able to replicate across many different geographies and maintain the similar type of results. So we know that it's, it's predictable and it's replicable. And just as I'm starting to feel good about myself, that the board looks at me and says, you know, how do you, how do you sleep at night? <laughs> I go, what, what do you mean? He goes, you have a, Chris, you know, the organization's delivering results that substantially improve, you know, life. And they're doing the right thing you have a moral obligation to grow as quickly as possible, to get the solution out as quickly as possible. It's almost like saying like, if you have a cure for COVID, like a vaccine, you have a moral obligation to get that vaccine out to as many people as quickly as possible, especially those most vulnerable. And our patients are the most vulnerable, right? They're, they're, our average age is 72 to 74. Uh, 75% of our patients have five or more major chronic conditions. 90% of our patients are within 300% of the federal poverty line, right? So this is the old, the poor, and the sick. And, you know, and, and, and if you look at just in terms of minorities, over 50% of our patients are minorities, where African-Americans actually greater than 70% of minorities. So, um, so we're excited about the future. We are extremely focused um, from a mission perspective in delivering um, what we can to uh, um, to our uh, to our population that really needs it, and then of course at the same time we're doing our best to you know partner with either different hospitals, 
um, you know, different plans, um, different health organizations and helping them create models that would be relevant in the future. Because um, I think the relevance of, you know, the traditional fee-for-service, we celebrate when people get sick model, um, or at least we financially celebrate when people get sick model, is something that's going to be less relevant in the coming, you know, three, five, or seven years. That's super interesting. Um, and you're right, there is a moral obligation to when you have something like this to continue to get it out to as many people as you can because of how much it helps them. So thank you for, for all that you do. And, and I just want to highlight too for our audience, just so they know, the goal is to have you and other members of your team on the podcast. And we do these basically micro segments to kind of highlight, this is your intro podcast, but to highlight different areas of your business, cool new wins that are happening for the company to let everyone know. Uh, and some other things. And uh, we're actually launching coming up a, a cardiology podcast. So maybe there's an opportunity to have you on that. Um, and you're speaking with a cardiologist, you're not speaking with me. So you can talk about, uh, you can get as as technical as you want. But uh, I'm, I'm really excited to, to continue to build this relationship with you and Chen Med. And uh, thank you for all that you do. And uh, again, thanks for being a guest. Jared, thank you so much. What a wonderful opportunity. Hey everyone, I wanted to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Block Health. Block Health is building the ecosystem of services and solutions to power the future of healthcare. Through their platform, healthcare professionals and organizations can enter, upload, and share core credentialing documents and information. Professionals and organizations then have the opportunity to use that information to order multiple services and solutions like credentialing, state license registration, certifications, payer enrollment, renewals, and more. On average, the Block Health platform saves users 40 to 60% on credentialing and licensing related costs. Organizations can use Block Health as an extension of their team or as their whole licensing and credentialing team. Today, Block Health works with some of the top healthcare organizations. To learn more about Block Health, please visit www.blockhealth.com. That's B L O C H E A L T H.com and follow them on their social channels at Block Health. Thanks for listening. Thank you to everyone that listened to this week's episode of the Slice of Healthcare podcast. If you'd like to check out more of our podcasts, we're available on all the major podcast channels. And you can check us out on our website, www.sliceofhealthcare.com. And that'll have all of our past guests on there. Uh, you can see our sponsors and you can learn more about actually becoming a guest. Thanks and look forward to another episode next week.